tonight. It has been an incredible day. I hope you guys have been blessed today. Why don't you guys come on front? Come move up. All y'all in the back, come on up front. It's way more holy right here. It's like super spiritual up here. <laughs> okay. Come on. Come on, guys. Come up front. Okay, we got a question, so I'm going to read it because I forgot what it was. If you could be a pro musician, what instrument would you choose to be the best at? Okay, so any instrument, you could be the best at it, what would it be? Talk for like two minutes. some guys I was talking to and they said the voice they would choose voice which is 
That is, that's great. You know, I'd say either keys or voice for sure. All right, y'all. So we're going to go ahead and get started. Why don't you guys come up front right here. Come join us. If you would lift your hands in worship real quick, we're going to pray in. Welcome the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. God, we say that we're on board with whatever you want to do. Come and have your way. Father, we're not here just for another night because we don't have anything better to do. God, we're here to encounter you because we love you and we want to be with you and near to your heart. So God, I ask tonight, would you be in this room God, would you make us so aware of your presence tonight? God, make us so aware that you're in this place right now. Thank you, Lord, that you're so faithful to meet here. You're so faithful to come each and every Wednesday night. So, God, we trust you to come again. God, we say we are here. We're willing. God, we want to hear from you and experience what you have to give us. So, Lord, pour yourself out upon us tonight. And, God, let us be ready to receive whatever you have for us. God, we are willing. So, would you pour out? We trust you. We love you. We honor you and glorify you. God, would you be honored and glorified through our praise tonight? In Jesus' name. All right, y'all, let's worship. Let's give them all we got. Yeah. 
Yes, God, we belong to you. We belong to you. Scripture tells us that we are all beautifully and fearfully and wonderfully made. Everything about you is on purpose. God didn't make a mistake when he made you. He didn't send you down prematurely. I just felt like as I was praying about this night that there are some of you, maybe many of you in the room that have been told, spoken over that you're a mistake or that you are an accident or that there's things about you that aren't good enough. And I just rebuke that tonight because scripture tells us otherwise. Scripture tells us he knows how many hairs are on our head and he knew every day of our life before it happened and he still called us worthy of his love yeah so I just want you to receive that tonight if that's you take a posture of of worship if you want to put your hands out if you want to get on your knees if you want to lay on your face whatever it is that you need to do but I want us to respond to that tonight because we take words like that even if we don't realize it People might even be joking as they say it, but we receive those words and we need to just rebuke them and turn them over to the enemy where they came from. And so as we sing this song, I just want us to really think about that and, and begin to have faith rise in our hearts that we were made on purpose. God didn't mess up, made on purpose for his purposes. So Lord, we just seal this word tonight that there's not one mistake in this room, not one person that's less than or not deserving of your love, of your provision, of your faithfulness. Thank you, God. You have been and you
up, guys? My name is David Martin Jr. I'm a second year DLA core. I'm gonna ask Caden uh, and Hudson to both come up. We're gonna go into a time of intercession and we're gonna be praying on the subject of purity. Um, so yeah, Father, I just wanna thank you for all that you are, Lord. I wanna thank you for all that you do, Lord. I wanna thank you that you call us Holy Father. I wanna thank you that you call us pure Father. That regardless of how far we've gone, Father, that we can ask for forgiveness, Lord that you're faithful and just to forgive. Lord, you are so good. You were so merciful, Father. Thank you that your mercies are new every morning. Thank you, Jesus, for your forgiveness and for your loving kindness, for the fact that you call us holy, for the fact that you call us righteous, Lord. And I just speak that over every single person in this room, that we are holy, that we are righteous, that we are pure, that we are forgiven. Thank you, Jesus. God, I thank you so much for you breaking the chains of impurity, God, through your perfect blood, Lord God. I thank you that you have cleansed every sin, God, and I just break the chains of impurity tonight, Lord God. I pray that we can come to a place of being honest and that we can just be honest with our sin and who we are, God, and that we can be fully seeking after you, God, in the name of Jesus. Tonight, God, we just want to be open for you. We know that we can't truly change unless you are truly inside us. So we open ourselves up to you tonight, God, that we can just be flowing with your Holy Spirit inside of us, that you can come in and change everything, that there is nothing that you cannot take down. There is no wall that you cannot break. Any sexual sin that we have in our hearts or in our minds, God, you can break that. You can take that from us today. In our schools, we pray for an overwhelming power of the Holy Spirit to just come in and break down those stereotypes, break down those things that we feel like we just have to live up to that. We do not have to live up to that. We can have your spirit inside of us, God, today. So we pray for an overwhelming spirit of you today, God. Amen. So thank you, Father. <coughs> thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. All right, let's go back into worship.
darkest hour Raise me up from death to life Can resurrection before we continue worship with our giving. So this is from um, Mark 10, verse 17. It says, Now 
As he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Verse 21. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor, and you will have a treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And I, I know and I've seen in my life so many times that I was the rich young ruler who chose lesser pleasures and chose possessions over the things that Jesus gives us. But what we don't realize is that when we choose these lesser possessions, it may seem like our freedom, but it's actually what keeps us in bondage. And real freedom is actually when we are in full surrender. The paradox of Christianity is that the level of um, freedom we experience is directly correlated to the level of surrender that we have. So it's really not about the money. It's an intentional decision um, to make a physical declaration that what Jesus gives, what he gave us, is better than any possession that we could ever have. That that freedom in the surrender is what gives us hope and trust and joy. It's what gives us life. And a lot of times, obedience comes before the feeling. We have to declare over ourselves and act that he is worthy before we actually believe that he's worthy. So I'm going to pray over us. So Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your faithfulness to us. And I speak the fear of the Lord into this room that we would understand, that we would come under in submission knowing that you are worthy. You are the only one worthy, Jesus. That we would never settle for lesser pleasures and things that we can possess because we know that that is what actually is what is enchaining us, that that is what is hindering us from loving you and coming into who we really are. Lord, we give back to you because you first gave everything to us, Lord. The least that we can do is give you our time, give you our affection, give you our tithing. It's really not about the money, it's about the heart. That's what the Lord cares about. So thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.
tonight is that when we leave this place, thousands of us would have a new measure of courage because for three days we have been with Jesus. You see, when we begin to appreciate this idea of putting God and others first, here's what happens. People go, that person lives second. They're not a me first person. How do we do that? This allows us to say, Father, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and actually see it happen. Desperation, who is coming this year? I don't think that you're actually wanting to come. Now, who is actually going to come this year? All right, so about half the room. Maybe that will change in a couple weeks. But here's the thing. We have an amazing second week of what sermon is it? Bay. That's right, before anyone else. But I think we need uh, a little bit of fun before that happens. So can I get three guys and three girls to uh, raise your hand, and we need some volunteers for a game up here. So uh, Gina's gonna pick the girls, I'm gonna pick the guys, so uh, let's go. One. Let's see here, let's see, I don't know. I don't know. Let's see, two. Let's see here, let's see. Oh, oh, I don't know, I don't know. Three, let's go. Let's go. All right, all right, all right. Let's come to the center. Let's come to the center right here, right here. Let's go. Now, um, I think we have a little game here of uh, boys versus girls. Now, now I don't know about you, but uh, I think I know the winner already. I, I, I don't know. And, and hey, here's the thing. The winner of tonight's game, that... That gender gets free candy at the end of tonight. So you better hope that your team wins. So now we have three rounds, one question per gender per round. And uh, here's the great thing. They can have your help, but that's only if they don't know. So if you, if you don't know the question or the answer, I'm sorry, then you may ask the crowd. And crowd, I think you have to be loud for them to hear. So. Uh, so let's start with uh, the girls, first round. Now these will progressively get harder, so uh, be ready. Question one, who won this year's Super Bowl? A, the Steelers, B, the Patriots, C, the Falcons. The Patriots. That's correct, that's correct. Now, the guys, question number one, what? is the slimmest type of heel on a shoe. A, spike, B, stiletto, C, wedge, D, platform. You guys cannot help him. 
What is the slimmest type of heel on a shoe? No, no, it, 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 you have to answer it or you can ask the crowd. Stiletto is correct. That is right. That is right. Good job. Round, round two. All right, girls. In the animated show Transformers, who was the leader of the Autobots? Optimus Prime. It, yep, that's correct. That's correct. Okay, guys, here we go. By yourself, crowd, do not help him here. Name five types of makeup a girl can put on their face. Eyeshadow, um, there's blush, um, lipstick, uh, man, mascara, and then there's, dang it, hold on a sec, there's lotion, does that count, does that count, uh, how about, that's time, that's time. The guys do not get that one. Hey, I'm sorry. I didn't make the rules. Google did. I'm just kidding. All right, round number three. This is for the win. If the girls get this correct, the guys have no chance. So girls, you need to be ready for your team to win here. Now, question number three. The car company, Porsche, is made in what, in what country? A, Japan, B, Germany, C, England. Germany. That's correct. Now, do you think that we should even see if the guys can can answer this last question? I, I think we have to see. All right, all right, fine. Now, when do you eat the top tier of your wedding cake? A, your first anniversary, B, your wedding night, or C, the day after your wedding? Oh man, that's a good question. You know, I want to say A. That's my guess. That is correct, but you guys still lose. Girls, you get free candy at the end of tonight's service. The girls, every girl in this room, on your way out, there's a bucket at the info booth. Get some candy and have a great night. Hey, let's give it up for this band. Let's give it up for Pastor David Martin and for an incredible night tonight. Let's go. up DSM oh my gosh now I gotta tell you first off we record this every single week we have the desperation podcast so first let's welcome everybody that listens all over the world to this podcast send your love for that's amazing second thing I want to welcome our VIPs. If you don't know who our VIPs are, these are our first-time visitors. I got to meet Jonathan tonight. I got to meet Maddie. We had a whole handful that I didn't get to meet. DSM, let's give a strong welcome to our VIPs tonight. The last person I want to welcome to the room tonight is my beautiful wife, Sarah. Please stand, honey. Come on, stand up. Turn around. Look at that. All right. Okay. How many of y'all were here last week? Let me hear a woo. Okay, 
We had a good time last week. Last week was heavy. This series tonight, this, this second week of Bay, is going to be very, very practical. Like, there's different types of sermons, okay? There's preaching sermons. Those are the kinds where you go, and we're going to storm the gates of hell for the kingdom. Those are the, those kind of sermons. I love preaching those kind, but that ain't one of those tonight. There's also teaching sermons. This is where, in the word, if you take the, the, the Greek and you break that word down, it means, you know, uh, tarantula in the Hebrew or whatever. I, that's not that kind of sermon tonight. Tonight literally is a universal sermon, and it's just practical. Okay, everybody say practical. Here's the reason why. I love you guys, and I want what's best for you. God loves you, and he wants best, what's best for you as well. And so here's what I want to let you know. I don't know how much you know about sex. We're not going to be talking about how much you know. But I got to tell you, yeah, yeah, oh, never mind. So I got to stay on my notes tonight. I got a lot to say in a short amount of time. But here's the thing. I don't know. It doesn't matter how much you know or don't know about sex. For me personally, I never had that talk with my dad. Now, I understand it's an awkward conversation, right? But I never had that talk with, with my dad. And so you want to know how I learned about sex? I learned it through, like, pornography. My seventh grade friends and what I saw on television. And so in my formative years when I'm trying to figure out, oh, wow, the stork doesn't deliver the baby. Something else takes place. Man, I just, I was trying to fit all these puzzle pieces together. And what it really left me with was a ton of confusion. Because what I learned about my punk seventh grade and sixth grade and fifth grade friends is, yeah, they could tell you how to have sex. But what I learned is that many of them, most of them, if not all of them, didn't know why you have sex. See, a dog with a cue card can tell you how, but it takes a little bit more maturity and a little bit more wisdom and understanding as to why sex matters. You see, God says sex matters. And so, man, let, let me tell you something. Last week we talked about, man, I'm not here to spend three weeks just telling you not to do it because I think that's a really weak thing to tell you in this world that you're living in because you're trying to navigate, you're trying to make smart choices for yourself. But there's all these conflicting information and these messages coming to you guys. And so instead of me just telling you, hey guys, don't do it, you deserve more than that. Because that kind of parenting, that kind of youth pastoring, the kind of message that simply says don't do it, and it makes it sound like this big scary monster that we need to be afraid of. No, we don't have to fear that because God created it. We don't have to run in fear from what God has created because everything that comes from him is good and perfect, including S-E-X. Some of you are like, what did he just spell? I can't spell that well. Um, so what we have in a lot of youth groups, though, is a lot of confusion about sex because you, maybe you're told that it's disgusting, it's perverted, it's gross, that you don't talk about that at the, in church and all the rest of these things. But then you're also told, oh, but once you get married, it's going to be the most amazing out-of-body experience you've ever had in your life. And you're just like, dude, how does this all match up? So tonight, while most of you in here know how someone has sex, a lot of y'all don't have a lot of information as to why God designed us to have sex. And so there's a lot of confusion. So tonight, we're going to clear up some of that stuff. 
and I'm going to be so crazy practical tonight, I encourage you to take notes. Pull out your cell phone, pull out your notes app, take out your journal, write on the back of your friend's head, whatever you need to do to take notes. Tonight's the night because this is it's going to be some good stuff I'm going to share with you. But I'm going to pray. Is that a cool? All right, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you so much for every student that is in this room. Lord, I am so thankful that you let me be their youth pastor. You know my heart, God, and I want to represent you, and I want to be faithful. So help me to stay on course, speak clearly, speak quickly, expand our time, and for the glory of Jesus, bring freedom where there is bondage. In the name of Jesus, I speak life where there is death. I, Father, in the name of Jesus, I declare mercy where there's condemnation tonight. I pray that you will give us clarity and wisdom for those in here who are bound up and confused. In Jesus' name, amen. Back in the day, uh, when I was little, I used to read comic books. And when I was like seven or eight, and there was always this ad in the back of the comic book, okay? And so going to throw, there we go. It's already up there. Excellent. In the back, it would say this. It would say, you can see the bones in your hand. And if you wear these glasses to parties... All your friends will blush because you can see through their clothes. Now, as a seven or eight-year-old boy, I'm reading that and I'm going, oh, well, that's an interesting little gadget they're selling there. And my perverted eight little eight-year-old self went, I really don't care about looking at the bones in my hand. What I want to do is I want to be able to see through people's clothes. That sounds very interesting to me. Oh, don't judge me. So I totally believed it. Now, I have to be honest. I never had the guts to, like, mail in the money to be able to buy these. Go put that picture back up. To buy these x-ray glasses, I never had the money. But now that I'm older, I thought back, you know, someone was buying these glasses, right? All these other little 78-year-old perverts like me went, oh, dude, I'm, I'm going to mow lawns. I'm going to rake some leaves. I'm going to earn some money. And the whole time they're thinking about them x-ray glasses, right? You know, and I could just imagine when they open up the envelope, they're like, get there here. But they don't want to put them on yet. They're going to, I'm going to wait till school. And so they go to school, and they're sitting in second grade right at their little desk. And they pull out of their little pencil box these x-ray glasses, and they put them on. And you could tell, I mean, you could just see the moment where it happens, right? Where they're looking around. Maybe they're trying to squint, trying to see. And they don't see anything. There's nothing. There's no bones in the hand. There's no people in underwear. There's nothing. What a ripoff, right? Can you imagine what this kid goes through? You're like, David, I'm really offended by this whole message already. Oh, whatever, dude. Here's my point. Culture does this all the time. They sell you things that we're supposed to buy and believe, and when we engage with them, we believe them, we take them on as beliefs, and then we discover that we've been misled and ripped off. There's got to be a better way. So tonight we're going to talk about some of those things because the world will lie to you, man. Why? Because they're chasing your money. And behind that, they're chasing your soul. There are people who are intent on having you go the direction opposite of what God has planned for you. They're being used. And because they're being used, they're also trying to use you as well. So I want to wreck some lies on the front end of this sermon. Can I do that? Can I be a rye or lie wrecker? You want to wreck some lies with me? Or do you want to be a rye lecker? That's the real question. All right, here we go. So let's address some lies. Big fat lie number one. Everybody say number one. Big fat lie number one is that sex is no big deal. That's what our culture says. Why would it be? Right? 
Why would, why would it be a big deal? Because, man, sex is as common as every Starbucks on every corner. It's like we're not even phased by it anymore. Because your music that you listen to getting ready in the morning for school, many of you, you hear this. They're talking about this. They're talking about that. You get on your computer, right? And the ads on the side are like, meet hot single ladies in your town. Meet hot studs. Tinder. You see what I'm saying? It's like, come on, man. So the culture is saying, hey, sex is no big deal. Dude, if you're lonely or you think that girl is hot, you swipe the right direction. I don't know which direction it is, and don't you yell it out because I, then I know how to really pray for you. But here's the thing. Sex is no big deal. Sex is everywhere. I mean, you can't stand in the grocery store line without seeing sex put in our faces. It's internet, TV, almost every movie you watch, and after a while, we just don't flinch anymore. When we go to the movies and we see that sex scene, we're just like, well, it just is what it is. PG-13 is not that bad. It's better than R. Fifty Shades. Right? This is the world. This is what they're telling you is okay and normal. God says sex is a big deal. The world says no, it's not. But God says, oh, I have the last word. Yes, it is. It's a big deal. Second lie, big fat lie, sex is only physical. Now, our culture, our, maybe you even have friends, they make it sound like it's only physical. Like you just play basketball with someone, and afterward you like had a bum chest, and you say, all right, good game, see you next time. Like it's just this just simple interaction. It's a weird image, I know. But sex is not only physical, guys. It involves literally every part of who you are, spiritually mentally, emotionally, and physically. Because of that, let me tell you something. There is no such thing as no strings attached sex. No such thing. Now you're going, oh, man, I invited my friend to this. They're going to hear a bunch of Bible talk, don't do it talk. No, it's true. Even if you're an atheist in this room, and by the way, I'm so glad you're here. You're welcome here. We love that you're here. Feel free to come back anytime you want. I really do mean that. If you're seeking God, trying to figure this out, maybe some of these concepts are already foreign, and you're like, who is this guy? What is he talking about? My point is this, is that there is such a thing as a no-strings, there is no such thing as a no-strings-attached sex, and this could apply to anybody. You don't even have to believe what I believe. And you go, well, how is that? Well, God has given you an incredible brain. And some of you are like, dude, I have an incredible brain, right? Yes, yes, you do. So with that said, you have an incredible brain, and what it does, your incredible brain, it logs every sexual encounter you have, okay? So if you think that messing around with a guy or a girl is like, yeah, it's whatever, what has happened is you've given them a piece of who you are, and you've also taken a piece of them. Now follow me on this. And that experience will follow you and be with you for the rest of your life. Now, you may go on the front and you're like, I don't know. I don't know if that's that big of a deal. Well, I'm 45. Guys, I'm halfway to 90. And here's the thing. I could still remember every physical act and encounter I had with every girl I've been with. I still remember those things from my teenage years, from my early 20s. So I may forget what I've had for lunch yesterday. But I can remember every single one of those things. And here's my point. The greatest, most powerful sexual organ that you have is not below your belt. It's up here in your head. And our minds are like these sponges and they soak up whatever 
We put in them, and it stays there. Now, why is this a big deal, though? Because some of you are like, I still don't understand. I've, I've, I want to make some good memories. I get it, but let me explain to this. Ladies, when you get married, let me just put it out this way. Do you want your future husband to have been with maybe three or six, or if he thinks he's a real player, 12 women sexually before you, you come along, okay? Now, you know, stuff happens, God redeemed, but just, just follow me on this particular line of logic, right? Do you want your husband to then, once you come along and you say, baby, you, I'm going to live with you for the rest of my life till death do his part of the rest of these things, and then you become a married couple and you do married people things, do you want him going, man, she's not as hot as so-and-so, but I guess she'll do. Or, man, so-and-so used to do it this, but no, she's done Right? Do you want your husband to compare you to his past sexual experiences? And every girl in the house said, of course not. One girl's like, yeah, I think it's a great idea. Well, we have counseling for you. <laughs> Guys, now, now here's the male ego. I could speak from experience on this one. Guys, do you want the lady that you marry in your life to compare how manly you are to their previous sexual partners? I didn't even have to ask you. You're like, no, no, stop talking about it. I already feel weird. Don't like it. I'm going to beat the guy up. Dude, you're 11. Hang tight. Is, you, you, you know what I mean? You got some time. Right? No, of course we don't. But you don't want your woman, your wife to go, you know, you're really good looking. and Yeah, but, man, you don't add up to Bubba Joe. Bubba Joe was nuts. He's crazy. I love Bubba Joe, but I'm married to you, and I guess you'll have to do. Do you see, do you see the problems this creates? This is why, like, daytime television is, does what it does, and we have Jerry Springer, and we got all the rest of these kind, because these people, they go and they sleep around, and then there's repercussions, and there's pain, and there's confusion, and then there's fighting. Well, pray for Bubba Joe and Billy Bob. They need Jesus, Okay. You see, sex is an act that's supposed to be shared between a man and a woman in a committed relationship till death do us part. Let me share a verse in Hebrews that I think will help. It says in Hebrews 13, 4, it says, Give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in what? Marriage. God will surely, God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. So any type of sexual interaction that we have with someone before we're married, we're already stacking problems up for ourselves. Because God, is, he judges that. Why? Because God is an anti-sex. It's a precious gift, and he doesn't like seeing people just treat it like they're shaking hands with people. There's more to it than that, and he's like, I'm going to judge it. So here's the thing about this verse. You don't begin to honor your future spouse once you meet them and marry them. You want to know when you begin to honor this verse and your, your spouse with your mind, your body, your soul? It starts tonight. That's when you begin to honor your future spouse. I meant to bring it. My wife, on our wedding night, she wrote a letter when she was 14 to me. We did not get married until I was 23. Until I was 23, she was 22. On our wedding night, she handed me this letter. Now, you got to understand, um, it's wedding night, right? I don't want to just sit around and read stuff. You know what I mean? But it was so sweet because it was written in her 14-year-old teenage handwriting with the little bubble letters and stuff. And so I opened it up, and it was this beautiful letter. And she's like, although I don't know you right now, I pray for you every night. 
And even though I'm only 14, I pray that God will be with you and protect you and, and, and preserve you and keep you pure. And I can't wait to give my heart, mind, and body and soul to you. And, and all of these beautiful things written by this 14-year-old girl, she sealed it in an envelope and saved. It says on the front, to my future husband. That's beautiful. What she didn't know is when I was 14, I was in San Antonio, Texas, and I made some decisions for myself. And one of them was, I, want, I feel like I need to start praying for my future wife. So guess what? She's in Dallas. I'm in San Antonio. It would be eight, nine years or whatever before we ever cross that line and get married. And I was praying for her, little 14-year-old pimple-faced self. Why? Because I took this verse seriously. I took it seriously. And she was taking it seriously. We made a decision, though. We went, I want to start honoring my spouse tonight. Big fat lie number three, God is anti-sex. No, he's not. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that, but I want to tell you something. Let me tell you something. God is not anti-sex. I just want to tell you, the reason why that this, he makes such a big deal about it, this is because he, he cares about your heart. And he hates it when people use words like guilt, shame, regret, these types of things after they have a sexual encounter. Because it makes his gift look bad. And he's like, oh, that's not how you're supposed to use it. That's why you're hurt. That's why you feel this way. And so God is not anti-sex. He's only anti-sex when it hurts the people he loves. He wants it to be a blessing for you. So listen, the idea that God is down on sex is a really lame, uneducated comment. It really is. Why? Because God created it. It was his idea. Think about the human body and how a man and a woman fit perfectly together. Do you think that just happened? No. He went, I got an idea. It was his idea. So say it out loud with me. and let, like, like for real, say it out loud. Sex is a miracle. Sex is a gift. This side is really strong. Y'all are very pro-sex. These guys, I don't know, they're still on the... Now, can you imagine if like a first-time visitor just now walked through the door and we're all chanting that? Sex is a gift. We love it. James 1.17 says every good and perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the Father. Every good and perfect gift, guess what one of those gifts are? Sex. All right. Big fat lie number four, it's impossible to stay pure. David, it's 2017. I don't, I don't know what to tell you, man. It's impossible to stay pure. Can I tell you something? Our culture will tell you that it's impossible, but I also want to tell you something. When I was in my teens growing up, you would not find a much more hormone-driven guy than me. At 45, I'm not be much better, quite honestly. Okay, I got, I, I, really. It's so, let me tell you something. Was I perfectly pure as the driven snow growing up and getting into my 20s? No, I wasn't. There are girls that I went too far with. Somehow, I managed to hang on to my technical virginity, meaning I hadn't had intercourse until I got married, which is commendable, but I had done other stuff, okay? All about transparency, right? With that said, as I got older, I had more opportunities to have sex with people. It didn't become less. And then once I started, I moved in my own place and got my own car and got my own job. Now I'm a grown man. Let me tell you, I had no problem. Not that I'm bragging, but I had no problem getting dates. I had no problem going out with pretty girls. I had no, that wasn't an issue. I had plenty of opportunities to have sex with people. But I just made a decision that I was just like, man, I, I, don't want, I can't do it. I can't do that. I don't want to do that. And so I want to encourage you that you can stay pure. Like I'm not a freak of nature. 
right? I know that you're looking at me as a 45-year-old youth pastor, and that's great. That's exactly what you're supposed to look at me. But you got to understand, at, the, at some point, I had game, and I could have been a womanizer. I could have been a womanizer, but I chose not to be. Here's what I also learned. You won't die if you don't have sex. You literally won't die. There's three things that you need to live. Oxygen, you need water, and you need food. You could survive on that. When was the last time that you saw people crawling on the streets going, I need, I need, I need sex, please. Now, some of the ladies are in here, you're like, he just described my boyfriend. I know that. And I just made two of those boyfriends mad right there. Practical, practical, practical. Let's get back to practicality. All right, all eyes on me, all eyes on me. They just got up at the wrong time. You get up to use the bathroom, I can see this. I may have to call you out, that's all I'm saying. But here's the thing. When was the last time you watched on television, an ad comes on, and the, the music begins, and in the arms of the angel, fly away from here. For as little as $1 a day, you too can help someone dying of no sex, right? Really? Really? You will live. You're not going to die if you don't have sex. 1 Peter 1.13, this is the cold bucket of water verse. You ready? So think clearly and exercise some self-control. That's the cold bucket of water verse. So when you're in those moments and you think you're going to die, no, you're not. Think clearly. You're not thinking clearly. Go, no, I have control over my body. This is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I got this because he's got this. He's got better for me. Everybody say, he's got better for me. So stop believing the lies. You've been told about this. Now, one of the most common questions that I get, moving from lies, is, David, I want to stay pure. Which I believe most, if not all of you do. You want to stay pure, or you're at least open to the idea of it. How do you stay pure in 2017? It's a great question. Let me explain it this way. For a lot of you, each of you, a lot of you, you're getting your license, your driver's license right now. Uh, some of you, you're about to, and that's a scary, scary prospect. Please let me know five minutes ahead or before, but before I leave and get on the same road with you. But here's the thing. For those of you starting to drive, there's some basic things you need to know. First off, where's the steering wheel? That's a great place to start, right? Maybe as you sit behind the wheel for the first time, you got the steering wheel. And then you look down, you're like, okay, now that's the brake. That's the gas. Understanding the difference between the two can save your life, right? But none of that matters unless you do one main thing, and it's this. Stay on your stinking side of the road. The reason why I say that is because you can know. Put your hands on 10 and 2, right? You, you can even wear your seatbelt. You know how to use the blinkers and the mirrors and all the rest of these things. But, guys... If you don't stay on your side of the road, it doesn't matter how carefully you drive if you're on the wrong side. You could go the speed limit and still die in a big bloody mess. So what is the one thing that would keep you from dying in a car? You want to mean, what is it? 
Stay on your side. But you, what's the one thing separating you from chaos to, to getting home safe? What is it? Not an airbag. No, because you don't want to wreck. It's one yellow line. That's it. Did you say it? That's right. You and me. We're, we're on the same wavelength. I love that. One yellow line. A line of paint can keep you alive. Isn't that bizarre? So I got a yellow line verse. So for the, those of you taking notes, here's the yellow line in the road verse. For those of you going, I want to stay here in 2017 but don't know exactly what that looks like, let me tell you something. Yellow line, and it's a warning. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature in Galatians 5.19, the results are very clear. If you want to drive across the yellow line, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and guys, other sins like these. So in case of those of you who are like wanting to be like attorneys when you grow up, you're like, well, he didn't mention, uh, you know, axe murderer, you know, no, things like these, okay? Let me tell you again, as I've said before, that anyone, say everybody say anyone. It could be Pastor Brady, it could be me, it could be your mom, or it could be you. Anybody that chooses to live this way and crosses the yellow line will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now you, this, you start going, whoa, 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 what are you trying to imply here? What I'm trying to say is this is Scripture. And so Scripture is very clear that if you continue in these acts without coming before God and saying, God, this is not who I am. God, forgive me. Of course his grace is bigger than your biggest sin. But if you just live your life in the way that you want to live it and you've got fire insurance and you go, hey, I ain't going to hell, but I'm sure going to live like it while I'm here on earth, I don't know if you're going to inherit the kingdom of God because real God followers don't live like this. They may stumble, but a righteous man gets up again, right? So this verse is our yellow line in the road to protect us. And so if you and I were at Mission Coffee and I said, where is the line? This is what I would tell you. Because you want to know, don't you? You ask me this question, this is what I would say. First off, you have to understand this. Our bodies were not designed to only want a little bit of sexual interaction. That's what you got to understand on the front end. And I think that's where a lot of good Christian teenagers who want to do the right thing, they don't understand this part. No one's ever said this. Your body's not designed to just want a little bit. God has made your body to where you want to go all the way every time. So as Christians, we want to find where, how far can I go before God gets upset or my parents get upset or whatever? No, no, no. See, you're asking the wrong question. Your body's designed to go all the way every time. So when we stop short of that, it's like buying a Ferrari, a $385,000 Ferrari. And this is an actual picture of what I took a while back. This is $385,000. Now, one of the cool things about this car is it goes close to 200 miles per hour. So let's say you've worked really hard. You've saved your money. You go buy a Ferrari. Good on you. But ah, you can only go 10 miles per hour in it. Do you see the problem? You see, your bodies are Ferraris. That almost rhymed. And God is saying, why would you drive it 10 miles per hour? 
just wait till you can get the right passenger and go top speed without worrying about wrecking. But see, when we're dating, we want to go just 10 miles an hour and maybe go 15 or 20. And we just miss the whole point. Your body was meant to go all the way every time, okay? So just know from every, every young person from the beginning of time has struggled with this. And I would encourage you, for the sake of time, I can't read the whole thing, but read Proverbs 5. Everybody say Proverbs 5, okay? Basically, I'm going to summarize it, but this is a letter that a father is writing to his son about this issue. And he's saying, son, there are women out there that will smooth talk you. And they're hot. And they know how to attract a man. Watch out for them. Because what they're promising you is fun. And they're promising you pleasure. Now, this is, an, this is not anti-women. This is from a, a man to his son. Okay? And he's saying you got to watch out because in the end, their beds lead to the grave. So he says you got to be really careful about this. It matters. But in verse 11... He says, if you don't understand the value of the yellow line in the road sexually, Proverbs 5 says, if you do, you cross that line, you will lose your honor and you will lose to merciless people all that you've achieved in the end. You're going to groan in anguish when your disease consumes your body. Hello, STDs. Hello, warts. Hello, AIDS. Hello, all these terrible things that you could get communicated or get given to you through sex. And in verse 12, he says, you're going to say, oh, how I hated discipline. If only I had not ignored all of these warnings that this hyper guy with a white ball cap gave me. You will say how I hated it. Oh, why didn't I listen to my teachers? Why didn't I pay attention to my instructors? Verse 21, for the Lord sees clearly what a man does. He examines every path that he takes. An evil man is held captive by his own sins and their ropes that catch and hold him. And he will die for a lack of what? A lack of self-control. So when Peter tells us, think clearly, exercise self-control, he's saying, save your life. Stay on the right side of the yellow line. He will die for a lack of self-control and he's going to be lost because of his great foolishness. This applies to the ladies as well because, ladies, I know there's guys out there that are, ooh, they would love to just put a notch in their belt because they got a virgin. Oh, and then, man, they will bring you flowers. Oh, they'll send the sweetest texts. They will even come in here and raise their hands like they're really into Jesus and stuff. Don't be fooled by any of that. Look for patterns, like Pastor Stephen Furtick says. Look for patterns, not potential is what he says. God doesn't need you to save wounded puppies by, by being their girlfriend. You bring them to church, you let me save them. I'll talk to them. I'll figure out if they're worth dating or not. Is that cool? Can we do that? Because I love you. All right. Yeah, three, three guys clapped for me. Okay. Um, let, me just, let me just tell you. You go, David, I feel like I'm so alone in this, though, man. I can't talk to anybody about this. You know, I, I can't open up with my friends, can't open up at whatever. Can I tell you something? Everyone is tempted. So if we're sitting at Missions Coffee, Mission Coffee, and I, I would tell you, listen, everybody is tempted starting with me, your youth pastor. I still struggle with sexual temptation, guys. It's crazy. You would think after 21 years of marriage, no, because my flesh is weak, man, and I do stupid stuff. Or I think about stupid things. I think about sinful things. So I want to let you know that if 1 Corinthians says, listen, the temptations in your life 
are no different from what others experience. So guess what? We're all in the same boat. Every last one of us are tempted. The second thing, I want to let you know it's not God tempting you, though. A lot of times we want to start pointing the finger at God. No, you need to point the finger at yourself. And the reason why, James says, remember when you're being tempted, don't say God's tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, and some of you, you have sin growing currently in your life, the outcome of that is it will give birth to death. But the good news found in Hebrews is this. Y'all ready for some good news now? When you're in this moment of temptation and you're getting weak and you realize that you're wanting to pull out your phone, not to text your, your, your friend or look at Instagram and look at kittens, but you're going, mm, I think I want to go this direction, right? When you're with that person, you didn't set out to start making out and, and being able to take these things so far. And now you're in a position where you're like, oh, my gosh, if someone walked in on us right now, we'd be so embarrassed. Right? That kind of deal. I want to let you know it's not too late. Because this high priest of ours in Hebrews 4 says he understands our weakness for he faced all of the same testings. We do yet did not sin. So, guys, in this moment when you're struggling... With the temptation, understand you're not alone, but I also want to let you know you can come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, and there we, we will receive his mercy. So when you walk in and go, God, I'm a mess, I'm not thinking straight, right? Don't think that he's going to judge you. No, he's gracious. There you will receive his mercy, and you will find the grace, the grace to help us when we need it the most. When do you need it the most? It's when you're about to mess up. You're like, God, I am two minutes away from really jumping into this thing full-fledged, full hardcore. I need your help right now, God. I don't want to do this. God, give me the strength in this moment. And begin to think clearly, God is there. He's this high, high priest. I want to let you know that the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. He will not allow for his children, listen to this now, he won't allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. So God has got the provision for you already. So when you get in these moments of weakness and you're like, oh man, I'm really starting to mess up. I'm starting to blow this thing. I, oh, I'm right. Call out to your great high priest. He's got the grace and the mercy for you when you need it the most. And he promises you, I will never let you get boxed in. I don't care what situation you're in. You won't get boxed in. I will provide a way for out for you. Don't worry about this. You'll never be boxed in. The only thing that would allow you to continue to fall is your own choice, but it's never God's fault. So I was having lunch with this guy on Monday. He's starting to have his first grown-up adult relationship. He's 20 years old, stud muffin. He said, Dave, I got to have lunch with you. I was like, cool. So we're sitting there. And he said, man, I want to do it right. I want to I be a godly boyfriend, you know, but man, I'm trying to figure this all out. I mean, the reason why you get together with someone else is because there's an attraction, Right? There's a physical attraction. God, yes, he made beautiful people to like beautiful people. And it's funny, he even made ugly people to like ugly people. It all works out. So there's hope for all of us. Look at me. I, I won out. I was ugly. I got a hot one. So, I, you know, it, it works out. God's good like that. But here's my point. He said this. He said, Dave, tell me some practical tips that I can use to make sure that I honor God with my relationship. So here's what I want to let you know. 
For those of you who aren't allowed to date right now, honor your parents with that rule. I know that may that seem like, oh, they're trying to keep you from enjoying life. Honor your father and your mother. That's the first commandment that comes with the promise that it may be well with thee and you may live long on the earth. Cool? But here's the thing. For those of us in here who are allowed to date, I want to let you know there's three outcomes that can happen. It doesn't matter who you are. One of three outcomes, when you say, I choose to be your boo, I now bequeath you to be my shouty, right? When that moment happens, I know, I know. When that moment happens, one of three things will happen in your life, 100%. Either you will marry that person, or you will break up with that person, or you will die. Those are the three ways that relationship can go. So understanding the expense of what you're looking at is either a broken heart, you're married, or you're dead. So if you're willing to roll the dice on one of those three, then let's talk about it. So I've put together these rules. Now here's what you got to understand. These rules have been around since 2005. I've been preaching them to every youth group that I've had. And guys, I promise you this. I have students in their 20s and close to their 30, being 30 years old, when I run into them that were in my youth group, they go, Dave, check this out. You're not going to believe this, man. They will pull their phone out and they will pull out the rules that I gave them that I'm about to give to you. They're like, dude, I still have them. You have no idea how much they've helped me. I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you, no student remembers any sermon that I preach except this one tonight that I'm preaching to you. So with that said, maybe you should follow the legacy of those who've gone before you in my youth group and write down these notes because they're gonna help you a lot. You ready? All right, I gotta talk quick. Dave's awesome tips for keeping it real with your boo and your shorty. Here we go. Dave's awesome rule number one, stay vertical. Stay vertical. Now some of you are like, what? Okay, here we go. Vertical is this way. Horizontal is this way. Good, bad, okay? Now, anyone can get creative and go, oh, look, sweet. As long, we can do whatever we want as long as we're standing up. No, no, no. Here's a picture of what I'm talking about. You ready? Imagine you're at your boyfriend or your girlfriend's house, right? And you both are just kind of laying against the bottom part of the couch, right, that's reserved for couples. And you're just kind of sitting there and... Little by little, ladies, maybe you put your head on his shoulder and you're like, oh, that's so cozy and, oh, doesn't it just like, so beautiful. Boom, nine months later, you're giving birth to a baby. Okay? You, you want to know what I told my wife when we realized we were going to have a child? It was like two months after we got married, we got pregnant with that young man who was interceding on the stage earlier, by the way. We were in Mexico, Missouri, and she brought out the EPT stick. And that stick had two lines on it, which means you're in for a lot of big bills. <laughs> um, and this is what I told her. I, couldn't I, could I literally could not believe that I was going to become a dad. I'm like, we'd only been married like 10 minutes or something. And... This is what I told her. I said, I cannot believe how easy it is to make a human being. Oh, my gosh. It's the easiest thing in the world, you know, barring any health complications. But, dude, normally, y'all don't even know. So here's the thing. What I mean is this. You're chilling out. 
and you're at the house, and you're watching a movie, and a, maybe there's a little kiss on the neck. Oh, that's not harmful. What's wrong with that? Sweet. And maybe a hand slips there, but it's not there there, but it's just there. Maybe all of a sudden there's some heavy breathing going on. And you're like, to heck with Moana. This is way more interesting. Right? Can I tell you something? Number one, sorry. Secondly, refuse to lay down or lean against one another. Cool? It's a good rule. You don't have to take it. I'll, I'll bring you a big box of diapers when you have that kid. Uh, it's, it's all right. But if you want to prevent your life from going a direction you don't want it to go, then take my rules. They work. Here's the next one. Stay out of each other's bedrooms. There is no good reason to be in your boo or shorty's bedroom, sucker. Here's why I say this. You go, David, <laughs> we leave the door open. Really? Like, having the door open, if you all start getting crazy in that bedroom, right, because the door's open, like, the door's going to get itself off of its hinges and walk over to you and say, all right, cut it out. I, I've been open, and I've, no. You can, you can do whatever you want, and the door could be wide open, so don't give me that. Stay out of each other's rooms. There's no good reason for you to be in each other's rooms. Next one, awesome rule number three. You're like, Dave, I don't know if these are that awesome. I think so. If no one is home, keep it that way. If no one is home, keep it that way. Nothing good can come out of two people who are really hot for one another being in the same room. You want to go hang out with your boo? Go to Sonic. Go bowling. Come to church maybe. Bring that person here. But that's not always practical sometimes. So in the event, say everybody say in the event, you're alone. Stay out of places. Here we go. If, if you go, oh, man, I can't believe we're alone in this spot. So here's, here's the advice. If you're in a situation where you're alone in a building, just stay out of places that either have beds, couches, back seats, or floors. Okay? Just stay out of those places. Awesome rule number four. Here we go. Only do with your boyfriend or girlfriend what you would do in front of me. So what I would encourage you to do is when you're wanting to kiss your girlfriend or your boyfriend too long, just remember this face and just imagine me standing right there. Going to put that back. There you go. Leave it up. Leave it up. Let, let that soak in. Let us soak in good. I had a girl who was in my youth group. Her name was Catherine. And she said, David, this was after she graduated. And I ran into her and she said, David, I still have your, your, your notes. But every time, every time. I kissed my boyfriend, like, for the first six months. I could not stop thinking about that picture. I'm like, that's right. That is exactly right. Leave it up there. I'm going to post that on Instagram tonight so you can take a screenshot of it. Next one, have someone to be accountable to. I got to go so quickly. I got two minutes. Have someone to be accountable to. Nothing kills temptation better than your mom or your cadre leader texting you saying you're keeping it real every 10 minutes. Every 10 minutes, have them text you. Why? Because we're protecting. You want to protect yourself, right? These rules work. Awesome tip number six. Here we go. Keep your filthy hands to yourself. All right? Let me explain why this tip really works well. I'll just put it this way. You can't become a mom or a dad by sitting across the room from somebody. Otherwise, we'd all be pregnant. 
So there's something else that has to happen. I'm not a father of two children because I waved to Sarah across the room. There's a big difference between my hands and your hands. And here's what they are. I got the golden ticket, y'all. This is like the golden ticket to Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. And what I mean by that is all of, all of God's goodness, the sweetness, the, the delicacies, golden ticket right here. You see, it's my gold ticket to enjoy sex God's way. And until you get one of these, you don't need to be doing it. <laughs> I can go on and on. There, there's, there's, I don't have any jokes about Oompa Loompas, so you just have to make up your own. These rules apply to all sexual contact. Christian teenagers are the only ones who think like this, but they go, hey, it's not intercourse and everything else is allowed. Let me just bust that bubble right now and tell you that sex is sex. All sex is sex. Sex is sex. You can say it backwards, forwards. It's all this. Sex is sex. Everybody say it with me. Sex is sex. Okay, that's exactly right. All right. What I would encourage you to do as we close is this. This matters. I told you it's practical. Now here's what I want you to do. As we close, and the band comes up real quickly, here's what I want you to do. Is I want you to go, you know what? There is some wisdom in some of this. Because I want what's best for you guys. That's, remember, that, remember, that's how I started out. And there's so much confusion about this issue of sex and there's so many conflicting messages that you get. But, guys, I have no, I have no vested interest. I, I, want, I just want you to make the best decision for you because I know what God has for you. But if I had a dollar for every student that didn't apply these rules or God's word and his teaching, I, I would be really rich because you will wind up falling in one of these two categories. Either you'll take this to heart and go, you know what? I really think he cares about me, and I'm going to trust that these are the right rules to keep me going where, he, where God wants me to go. But there's some of you, you're going to remember it. You'll remember some of the funny things that I said, but you won't apply these. And you're going to be headed down a different path. And I don't want that for you because I want God's best for you. So verbalize your standards. So the best time to verbalize your standards with your girlfriend or your boyfriend is not in the moment. Do it way ahead of time. And so in closing, what this young man across the table who's having his first big boy relationship told me, he said, David, I have some, already have a list that me and my girlfriend have come up with about ways to protect our, 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 um, our relationship. I was like, dude, you're so far ahead of the game. I'm so proud of you. Good-looking, 20-year-old guy dating a good-looking 20-year-old girl. And I want to tell you something. God will bless that faithfulness. And there won't be nearly as many scars on your heart. You won't have to take penicillin. You won't have to say, sorry, God. It, all, when you do it the right way, you say, thank you. That's what I want for you guys, too, because it's awesome that way. So next week is our last week of the series before anyone else. And I love how many new, new faces and more faces we've seen in here tonight. Think about who would need to hear a message that says, yeah, you've messed up, but you know what? Here's hope. Yeah, you may have some baggage in your background, but here is a promise from Jesus. 
Maybe you need that message, but maybe there's those in your life who don't feel lovable by God because they feel like they messed up too much. No, next week is what happens when you've messed up or do mess up. That's the favorite message of this whole series. I cannot wait to share with you guys because it's not what you think. It's going to be a good time. So I love you guys. Oh, my gosh, man. I'm so thankful for you guys. I'm so thankful I get to be your youth pastor. Yeah, I love y'all. I want you to feel home at home. Cool? I want you to feel at home here, and I want you to feel welcomed here. So if you have friends that don't believe in God, and they're atheists or agnostics or they're Hindu, Buddhist, listen, invite them here. This isn't a holy huddle. Bring them in here. Let them see and know and feel and taste and see that God is good and that he's real through our invitation and through our love and through our experience here. Cool? So if there's an empty seat around here, say, God, who do you want me to fill this seat with next week? Cool? All right. It's 8.04. Tell your parents thanks for letting me keep you a little bit late. Father, in the name of Jesus, bless these students. Thank you for the wisdom of these six crazy rules that you've given me. Lord, may you be honored and glorified as we go out. Bless these students. I thank you for them in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all have a good week. See you next time.